Hey everybody, this is Matt, and with me is Jesse. Hello, hello. Uh, this is, it's 3 a.m., and this is important. This is our podcast, this is our first episode, so bear with us if it's a little clunky. But yeah, so today we're going to be talking about, well, what, what, what are we going to be talking about, Jesse? Uh, today we're going to be talking about fairy tales, and I am so excited to delve into some of these crazy stories with you today. Cool. Okay, so fairy tales. So more specifically, we're going to be covering some of the Brothers Grimm stuff. Uh, definitely, yeah. yeah. I don't think you can really talk about fairy tales without kind of going through the Brothers Grimm and well, their sure. stories. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And by the way, anyone listening, um, Jesse has basically done all the research and reading and stuff. I know generally about like the Brothers Grimm and stuff, but basically no specifics. He's done all the research and I'm pretty much just here. Yeah, hopefully um, Matt has the same general knowledge that you listeners do, and yeah. Yeah. Other than that, um, where do you want to start? How do you want to jump on this uh, this crazy subject of fairy tales? So let's just talk about a little bit about kind of the origins of the Brothers Grimm, how they kind of started out, and what led them to collecting the many, many fairy tales that they ended up doing. Okay. So the two brothers Grimm are Jacob Ludwig Carl Grimm and Wilhelm Carl Grimm. Um, they were born in the 18th. Wait, did they both have the middle name Carl? Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure, actually. I don't know if that's an extension of the last name or if they do, in fact, both have the same middle name. The weirdest but, shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. Keep going. No, I'll get So they were both born in the late 18th century in a small town in Germany just outside of Frankfurt. Both the brothers were born into a super wealthy family. Um, their dad was essentially a lawyer um, and had a ton of influence in the town. So they had a huge mansion, bunch of servants, and like tutors and stuff like that to help them get through school. So they were living the good life. Okay, so you're like average suburban family life. Cool. Yeah, so they were super, super wealthy um, until they were about 10 years old, and then their dad died, and it basically screwed the family over for decades and decades and decades. Great. Um, So they they lost basically all their social standing um, in their town. They lost their house. Obviously, they didn't have any servants anymore. Like, these guys were struggling just to put food in their mouths each and every day. So that basically just led them to rely on family. Cool. So their lives just got turned upside down. Absolutely. Super turned upside down. And uh, when did they actually start writing stories together? Like when when did that happen? Okay, so they both went to university and they ended up actually both graduating magna cum laude. They did super well in school, felt a lot of passion towards educating themselves. So they ended up getting an undergrad and then they went to a different university, Okay, got a second undergrad, and then... After that, shortly after that, they started writing stories, Jesus, collecting they went stories. Hard on the school shit, hey? Yeah, totally. I'm not sure what their motivations were for it, but it's obvious that they I'm were like super talented. Education in Frankfurt was probably free at that point, right? I mean, I, I, mean, well, I don't expect you to know that, but like. So I do know a little bit about that. So it was not free for them. Um, So when they got to university for the first time, they noticed that there was like a huge difference between the more affluent students of the university and themselves. Okay. So their first trip, their first undergrad was paid for by their aunt. And then for their second undergraduate, actually most of the students, there's only 200 students in this university. 
most of them were super, super wealthy. And because of that, they got free schooling, like full rides, all that fun stuff. Right. Um, but the brothers themselves, because they were so poor at the time, they didn't get any help and had to kind of pay their entire way through. So they were in crazy debt by the time they were done. Yeah, they were having a super rough time. Um, but because of that, because they couldn't afford to really do much while they were going to school, they just put all their extra energy back into their studies. Right, okay. So while they were at Marburg, they met this guy named Frederick von Savigny. Um, I'm going to butcher every single yeah. German name for sure. Frederick von Savigny. And basically he encouraged them to pursue history, philo- philology, and... Wait, philology? Philology, yeah. What the fuck is philology? Okay, so it is the study of language and oral and written historical sources. Okay. Um, So it's kind of the intersection of textual criticism, literary criticism, history, and then linguistics. So it's kind of all those things hodgepodge together. Right, okay. And that's kind of what that is. Um, So they were encouraged for history, philology, and medieval Germanic history. Medieval Germanic history. Yes. Okay, cool. So they kind of got, got into that during their first undergrad or their second undergraduate, sorry. And then that sort of passion that they had kind of led them to a guy named Johann Gottfried Herder. Where are they finding all these crazy German dudes? Yeah, I don't know. Everybody in German has like the coolest sounding names. They all sound like like diehard villains. Oh, like Hans Gruber? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. They all sound kind of kind of villain-esque, hey? Yeah. Not yeah. to disparage any German names. I'm just saying it, they're pretty epic from what I've heard so far. Yeah, 100%. I think I told you earlier um, while I was researching stuff that I really wish I had Vaughn in my name. Yeah, it seems like Vaughn's a pretty common one. Yeah, yeah. Jesse Vaughn Thomas. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they met this dude, Johann Gottfried Herder, and he was all about keeping kind of German literature in simpler forms. So he kind of defined that as natural poetry as opposed to artistic poetry. So he was all about keeping the original content of a story and not sort of changing it to appeal to like a more romanticized or like a kind of cleaner version of the story. So kind of a purist. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And at the time, Germany was super, super divided. There was over 200 principalities. It was just kind of like a rough spot for Germany. And it was the brothers' belief that these stories, these common fairy tales from around Germany and kind of the countries surrounding, if they could get this collection, if they could put them together, if they could keep them as true to form as possible, yeah. then this could possibly unite the German people a little bit, right? We're, okay. And 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 not just kind of the upper class, just unite the general. Just all the people. Yeah. Even the poor guys, like they found themselves. Like, guys, look, we, we all have stories and we can all read them and be together and be happy, see? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they felt super, super passionate about it. Like, that's basically what drove them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Was this pursuit of Germanic knowledge. Sure. And the stories of the Germans. So they kind of wanted to be the uh, the arbiters of all this storytelling. They wanted to give people all these stories to try and unite everyone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it should be noted that they didn't just work on fairy tales like they also did a bunch of different other mythology and stuff like that they didn't actually finish it but for a lot of years they were working on a new german dictionary okay Um, unfortunately both the brothers died before they could finish it Um, but yeah they did all sorts of stuff they're super super revered in that sense so yeah it's pretty fascinating it's i guess yeah i I only know them for like their fairy tales i've only ever heard them in in, uh, relation to their fairy tales 
So. Yeah, yeah. But as far as like uh, literature and stuff like that in general, they're still to this day like extremely well regarded. So with that kind of in mind, after they had graduated from their second undergraduate degree for a couple of years, they decided to collect these tales, right. these fairy tales. And they went through all over the country, collecting as many as possible and again, trying to keep them true to form. And in 1812, they published the first version of Kinder und Hauschmarken, um, which is translated... Kinder und Hauschmarken? Yeah. And we're going to pretend like I said that right. Yeah, why not? So they they released that. um, That's translated as Children and Household Tales, and they published that in 1812. Children and Household Tales. Yes. So I'm I'm guessing from the vibe is these are stories that German mommies and daddies were telling their kids? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. A lot of women back in the day in Germany used to be kind of spinsters. They used to kind of hang out and do all these like really shitty, like labor intensive, boring tasks that just needed to be done. And then kind of just got all shoveled over to the women. So in addition to telling their kids these stories, it was just something to do to pass the time essentially. Okay. And so, yeah, they released that in 1812. I think they had about 80 stories in the first one. Okay. It's a lot of random stories to just gather around from the masses. I mean... Yeah, a ton. Just Um, thinking about how, like, much time and effort that would take, especially without, like, modern conveniences, you'd have to actually, like, go and talk to a bunch of people in villages and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And you'll see that, like, they did a bunch of different uh, versions and stuff like that, constantly updating the book, but it took years in between you know, each each version to come out because exactly that, they did have yeah. to go travel around, kind of get things word of mouth. So when they initially published uh, Children and Household Tales, of course they did so trying to keep things as true to form. And with that, a lot of these stories are like super, super gruesome. Yeah. Lots of gore in them. See, that's the thing that I've heard the most of from the Brothers Grimm is that they're all just really ridiculous, very dark, very just gory and weird Definitely, yeah. And for a book like called Children and Household Tales. You're- yeah, you're telling your kids these horrible things. I just, I don't know. I'm sorry to like to like break this up, but like I just want to mention just how fucked up it is. Like these are, if it's called that, then these are stories being told to children. I mean, I guess they're also just like telling each other these stories. But like if they're being told to children, just think about what your life would be like. If your mom told, like, we haven't gone through the stories yet, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. But, like, if your parents told you these stories, how fucking terrified you would be just of living and sleeping and the kind of weird nightmares they probably had. Like, what kind of world was that? Yeah, it's just nightmare fuel for sure. Like, this stuff would is not good to share for children. And that's definitely reflected in the sales of their first edition 100%. So they came, yeah. they came into this whole thing trying to be super purists. Let's get Germany united. Let's, let's keep it original. And then basically immediately realized that they weren't selling any fucking books. <laughs> and the biggest complaint was, you guessed it, it's not friendly for children. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah, so they they pretty quickly changed their tune You're on that. Scaring all our kindred. What's the German word for ki- kids? It's Kinder. I have no idea. I don't know. Either way, you're scaring them all. Yeah, exactly. So with each like subsequent edition that they released, it basically becomes like nicer and nicer and more watered down and okay. and just friendlier in general. Until we kind of have until we're watching Disney. Until we're watching Disney, yeah. exactly. Okay. Yeah. 
couple quick notes before we kind of move on to the story aspect of things. So they ended up sending 17 editions to print. Each and every edition, it just got more and more and more popular, especially in Germany. To this day, it's still the second best-selling book in Germany next to the Bible. So it's still like extremely culturally relevant, especially in Germany. These stories have been translated like to over a hundred different languages. We're talking about like over 120 different countries. Like it just couldn't really be any more successful. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. And it all started with like these two random brothers being super into Germany and German literature. And here we are today. Huh. You know what that felt like? That felt like one of those little Jesse moments, whatever the hell we're calling those. All right, so now, um, yeah, what are we going to do now? We're going to talk about the story, the stories. Yeah, definitely. By the Brothers Grimm, more specifically. You betcha, yeah. Um, and these are, these are like stories that got turned, like they've gone through a lot of evolutions and like changed over the years quite dramatically, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm not going to kind of go into all of the changes. I'm kind of going to stick with the original story. And then maybe if you're cool with it, you can kind of give just a Cliff Notes version of what you know of them to be now. Sure. Yeah. So I think with that being said, we'll start with Cinderella. So why don't you kind of kind of tell me a little bit about what you know about the story of that? Cool. Okay. So it's been a while since I've seen Cinderella, but from what I know of Cinderella, it's only the Disney version for me. You know, fairy godmother, glass slipper, stepsisters, evil stepmother. The only thing that I ever really heard about, I'm not even sure if it's a true fact, but her name used to be like Ash Puddle or something. Yeah, um, that I did not <laughs> find that in my research. So uh-huh. it might just be some bullshit fact that I heard someday. Well, well, that's another thing too. Maybe I should quickly talk about is there is a million different versions sure. of every single story. Just tons of different other authors, and and yeah, just as you go through history, there's you know a ton. Yeah, of I can imagine with like a time. lot of stories, they get like reinterpreted into other things, right? So. I mean, it just happens. Exactly. And and through translation as well, right? Like these were all German and, yeah. you know. 100%. So, yeah, the Cinderella that I know is very fun and cute. And, you know, she has to be back by midnight. She's got that fairy godmother that turns her thing into a pumpkin chariot thing. And she meets the prince and the handsome prince. It's all about the handsome prince. And, like, he's trying to find that glass slipper that fell off when she was running out of the ball because they really hit it off and... The whole thing was just a love story, and then eventually, you know, they they he finds the, the Cinderella's foot in the slipper, and then they're like, "Oh, happily ever after!" And it's all the, the super great. Disney so princess. yeah, that's like a pretty accurate retelling of kind of the modern Cinderella story. Not a ton of similarities from the like compared to the original. Cool. So in the original, Cinderella's mom dies. Same thing. A, about a year later, the dad remarries okay. to basically the worst woman on the planet with the two worst fucking daughters you've ever seen. Woo-hoo. Um, so as soon as they get get kind of into the house, they just immediately start shitting on Cinderella. Um, they take away all of her clothes. She had nice things before they came along, but they took all her dresses. They okay. they took basically all of her possessions, and they literally made her sleep on the floor. And it Great. was just constant mockery throughout the story. Like, everything they say is just so shitty and so degrading towards Cinderella. Like, they basically treated her as a slave. Great. And for some reason, the dad was just, like, okay with it all. Like, like oh, I got two more. Fuck the other one. Yeah, like it's, it, and, and that's kind of a theme in a lot of the stories I read is that these dads just don't give a shit about their kids for some mm. reason. 
Are you saying the Brothers Grimm might have daddy issues? I would think so. Yeah, so kind of with that being said, one day the dad decides to go to the market. Um, so he asks the three daughters, kind of what would you like me to grab? So the two shitty step-siblings say that they want a dress each. Cinderella says the first stick that knocks off your hat as you're on the way to the market, I want you to break that stick off the tree or the branch off the tree and give it to me. So that's yeah, the like, weirdest ask I've ever like going to the store to get some milk. Do you, do you need anything? Uh, just a stick. Yeah. That your hat hits. Yeah. So the father do, does just that. He gets these dope ass dresses for the, the step siblings and he gives Cinderella a branch. So what she does with that is she goes to the grave of her mom. She kind of sticks the stick in the ground and then she okay. cries over it. And then immediately this giant fucking tree grows out of the ground. This magical Ooh. goddamn tree. Yeah. So not a fairy godmother. Is yeah. that like the fairy godmother? No. It's like a magical tree. So no? there's like sort of. So on her deathbed, the mom says, like, be a good daughter. I'll always look out for you. Um, right, and so that's, that was a lie. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a bold faced fucking lie. <laughs> so that's kind of the closest we ever get in the original to any sort of godmother. Right. But definitely no magic, like fairy, no wand waving or anything like that. Yeah. So each day, Cinderella goes and prays and just kind of hangs out at her mom's grave. And she finds that these white birds hang out on the tree. And anytime she asks these birds for anything, they get it for her. Oh. Yeah. So in that sense, these kind of birds throughout the story sort of act as the godmother. But they they're have like no, those, like, speaking parts or anything huh. like that, you know? like They're, they're like not, those, um, uh, they're like those crows in, like, really crowded city centers so you can, like, befriend yeah, the trade trash for bread and stuff. Yeah. 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 So fast forward a little bit, and the king is throwing this ball and party. He's throwing this huge party. It's going to be three days long. Dope. He's trying to get his son three laid. Three day He's, long party. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's huge. He's really, really trying to get his son laid, the prince. So they invite the most beautiful women from all across the kingdom to go. Of course. Um, so naturally, the two stepsisters end up getting invited, and Cinderella wants to freaking go. So she asks her stepmother if she can. And of course, the stepmother laughs at her and says, you're filthy, you're disgusting, you're not even close to beautiful. There's no way. You don't have a dress. You don't know how to dance. There's there's no chance. Ouch. Um, so what she does to further insult Cinderella is she throws a bunch of beans in the ashes of the, the family hearth. And she says, if you can pick out all these beans, you can go. If you can pick out all these beans, if you can put them in a dish and like kind of salvage all these fucking beans, this impossible task, a super shitty task, then and only then can you go. So just rummage through this fire? Yeah, for like beans. <laughs> for beans? For beans. So Cinderella, in her desperation, calls towards these birds. Okay. She kind of just like leans out her window and basically has a call. Like, all these birds, come help me. So exactly that happens. Like these two white birds that have been hanging out on the tree show up. Then two white doves show up. Okay. And then it reads in the story that every single bird on planet Earth then shows up. Every single bird? It states that in the original story that all the birds in the sky show up. So every <laughs> so every bird on the Every planet, bird. All the birds. Yeah, it's very specific on that. Like I reread that line a couple of times to like doubly make sure, but it states that like every freaking bird shows up and helps her get these beans out. 
Wow. So these beans are out. She goes to her mother's grave. She prays. The birds get her like a pretty good dress, some regular looking slippers. They've got like a little bit of silver on them. So cool. she's she's kind of just passable for this party. Um, so she ends up going. The prince is immediately attracted to her, ends up dancing with her the entire night. And he cool. never lets he never dances with anybody else because he doesn't want to let go Ooh, of her hand. Nice. Yeah. Like he finds Cinderella. She's clearly the most beautiful. And she's so beautiful, in fact, that like her father that's there and like the rest of her family, they don't recognize her at all. Yeah. She's the star of the freaking show. And they have no idea that they're looking at Cinderella dancing with the prince. Hmm. The night comes to a close and Cinderella ends up running away from the prince and she runs into a pigeon house. A which pigeon I, house? I'm ass- Is that where pigeons live? Yes. So she runs into this fucking pigeon house and then she sn- essentially sneaks out the back, ditches yeah. the slippers on her mom's grave and then makes it home in time to change into her shitty outfit and okay. then pretend like she's been at home the whole Be time. Be the good old fashioned Cinderella everyone knows and loves. Exactly. Second day comes around and she wants to go again. So, of course, she asks her stepmother. And the same thing happens, except it's like a barley stew that she throws in the fire. And same thing. Again, she like calls out to all these birds. Two white birds from her the tree um, by her mom's grave show up. The two white doves. And then every single bird Every on the single planet. bird again. <laughs> How can you fit up. every bird in a house? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Shit's um, wild. So she goes... Uh, the birds help her. That's all good to go. Uh, she goes back to the grave, asks the birds for a new getup, a little bit fancier. Same thing. So the slippers, the dress, all that fun stuff. Same thing. The prince is completely enamored with her, won't let her go. And she ends up escaping him at the end of the night and crawling up into a tree. Okay. So somehow she ends up getting down and rushing home and that's fine. Right. Um, and the prince can't find her. Third day, same thing. Stepmom's a huge bitch, throws some more shit into the fire, and she gets, you know, all the birds on the planet to come help her out. This How is she time, not getting it? How does she not notice all the birds helping her? Yeah, you'd think that would be, like, a huge thing. you think, like, the skies would just be, like, black and yeah, full of these crazy birds. it would be apocalyptic if every bird showed up in one place. Yeah, or, like, can you imagine the amount of bird shit in your house from, like, thousands and thousands of birds? Yeah, especially if they're swallowing beans. Yeah. Right? Like they can't get every single one eating stew. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Third night, she goes to the grave and she prays and she requests a new dress and a new pair of shoes. The new dress that she gets, it's it's basically all golden. It's the nicest dress probably on the face of the planet. Like this thing is legit. And the shoes are made of gold. They're not actually the crystal slippers that you see in like the Disney movies and the modern retellings. Right. Crystal slipper, not a thing. It's gold. They just made it up. Yeah. Somewhere along the line. Yeah. Somebody wrote that in. So third night, having a good time. She tries to escape. She ends up ripping herself away from the prince, who's wisened up at this point, and he puts something called pitch on the steps of the castle, and it's basically like this sticky substance. Okay. Um, and, And one of her slippers does come off as she's kind of fleeing. Cool. So that part, classic. Yeah. It's going well. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's 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 fairly similar to the modern version. Um, this is where things get a little bit more fucked up and gruesome, though. Cool. All right. Um, Let's go. Let's party. Yeah. So the prince ends up going around town with this gold slipper, stating that, of course, whoever fits it is going to be my bride. This is the one. It's all good. I guess they didn't have a good concept of, like, shoe sizes. 
back then because like a ton of people would fit into that slipper, you know? Yeah. Also, also very true. He could have totally wound up with some rando with the same shoes. Like just some dude named Jim. <laughs> yeah. Puts his hairy like ass a, foot and fits perfectly it, in the was slipper. It, was it really you? I guess, I guess it was you. If the shoe fits. <laughs> so he ends up going to Cinderella's house. The evil stepmother sees the prince coming and ushers Cinderella upstairs. And the prince shows up, says, hey, I'm looking for this fair lass. She's going to be my bride. I want every single woman in your house to try on this slipper. Yeah. Of course, they don't really mention Cinderella at all. So the first step sibling tries on the slipper and it's too fucking big. Yeah. So the stepmom says, she grabs a knife and she says, cut off your toes. Straight up. Straight up. Cut your fucking toes off. You'll be a princess and eventually the queen and you'll be set for life. And Yeah, that'll, so. that'll trick this stupid prince. Yeah. Just cut your toes off. So she does exactly that. She chops her fucking toes off to put it in the slipper. Great. Puts it on, apparently acts totally fine so the prince is none the fucking wiser. And he, yeah, he's not just... She's not just filling the shoe with blood or anything. Yeah, right? Like, I don't know. He's the least observant prince you've ever He's seen really or heard stupid. of. Yeah. We also can't recognize people by their faces, so. Yeah. We're, also, working on, we're working on really low standards here. Also true. So he puts the first stepsister on the back of his horse, and he's riding to the castle. And as he's riding, he rides past the cemetery. Mm. And this is where the two doves come in yet again, and they kind of sing a little song and basically tell the prince, like, look at this bitch's foot. It's fucking bloody. Because <laughs> um, I guess he had Did you noticed. not notice? The, did, your, your foot has no toes on it. Look. <laughs> yeah. Hey, dummy, look at her fucking feet. Yep. So, of course, he listens to the doves. He sees that this chick is clearly lying. The slipper is full of blood, all that fun stuff. So cool. he ends up going back. Neat. Second stepsister tries on the shoe, and this is all kind of in private, right? They go off to another room. Right. And it doesn't fit as well, but she manages to get her toes in at least. Okay. So the stepmom says, okay, well, cut your fucking heel off, and we'll be good to go. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. So without a second thought, that's what the- Who needs a heel anyway? Yeah. And and like he wouldn't notice at any point, right? Like, (laughs) hey, your heel's kind of fucked up. Like, (laughs) Like, you ever notice that your heel is kind of rectangular? Yeah, and that it doesn't, doesn't exist. Doesn't really make a foot shape. Yeah, like she can't even walk anymore. Yeah, so she ends up cutting off the heel and the prince is just like completely oblivious, I guess, and puts her on the back of his horse and away they go to the castle. You'll do. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they end up going back past the cemetery yet again and the birds again sing another song. You'd think he'd have thought to check after the first yeah, time. Yeah, like look at the feet this time. There's something wrong with the feet, not the girl. Yeah. Also, their their favorite pastime would be dancing. And they can never dance again. Because they got no... gonna dance again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he goes back, drops a second stepsister off, and then he kind of asks the stepmom, like, is there anybody else in the house? Is there any other fair lass in the house? And she says, fuck no. Right. This is where the dad kind of makes up for some things, and he says, well, what about Cinderella? And so the stepmom insists, no, you can't see her. She's filthy. She's disgusting. It's whatever. And then the prince, of course, insists in the opposite direction. Yeah. Cinderella comes down. The shoe fits perfectly. And they kind of ride off. Of course. To the castle. And they live happily ever after. There you go. Oh, we're not (laughs) quite done yet. So you'll notice a kind of theme in this is that the main characters in all these stories end up having a great time. Cool. Everybody else in the stories usually gets fucked over in some way. Nice. 
Um, so fast forward a couple months, it's the wedding. The stepmom and the stepsisters end up going. I'm trying to curry some favor with the with the king is and and the prince. I guess is kind of what's going on. But those two white birds end up pecking out their eyes at the wedding. They peck out the eyes out cool. of their freaking skulls, and they live the rest of their lives as beggars on the streets. Nice. And that is the final line of the story. <laughs> and they live and they live happily, happily ever, ever after. after. Great, cool, awesome. And that's Cinderella. Super happy story. Any story that ends with people's eyes getting pecked out, it's a good one. Oh, yeah. And 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 super good for children, right? Obviously. Yeah. Just... Can you imagine if they ended it like that? Unlike the Disney version? <laughs> yeah. They would have sold like two tickets to the theaters. Yeah. Disney would not be what it is today. R-rated. That is for sure. All right. So next up is Snow White. I like Snow White. It's yeah. a good one. I don't remember much about Snow White, but I know Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And I know all, all, all her dwarves, all her little dudes. Always like that energy. It's good vibes. Yeah. Had some good music into it, in it as well, I think. You know, it's kind of cute. It's one of the old Disney ones from what I remember. Yeah, I think, I could be wrong. I think it might be the oldest movie that they that they made out of the, kind of the classic fairy tales. Could be. Um, At least from that era. Yeah, yeah. It was de- at the very least, it was definitely one of the first ones that Disney kind of released. Okay, so when we think about the queen from Snow White, we have to also think about the mirror, kind of the mirror, mirror on the wall. Right, that is Snow White. Isn't that it? is from Snow White yeah. for sure. So every single day, the queen in the land of Snow White would ask the mirror, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And each and every day, the mirror would reply, you, you're the fairest of them all in mm. this whole darn kingdom. It's you, baby. You sexy as hell. <laughs> yeah. And that would satisfy the queen for the day. Good to go. One day, she asked, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's and the life fairest was, of life them was, all? Life was hard before Instagram, hey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me that upvote, mirror. And then, yeah, so one day she asked the same thing. Instead of saying, you are the fairest of them all, the mirror states, Snow White. <gasps> is the fairest of them all. No! Yeah. Oh, no. Um, and this kind of shatters the queen's whole world. And well, just yeah, like, I mean, all she cares about is being hot, man. It's, yeah. Her ego is just so fragile. Yeah. So she basically goes into this crazy rage over Snow White, this girl she's never met. This has to be dealt with. I have to be the fairest of them all. Yeah, of course. So she sends a huntsman out to go kill Snow White, take her heart, and then the queen is going to eat her heart. Mm. So the huntsman goes out. He, is she uh, hoping to like get her powers, her beauty from eating her heart? It's not really stated. It's just that she's like super hungry for Snow White's heart for some reason. Like she's just super cannibalistic about it. Cool. I get it. Yeah. Openly states that. Doesn't really try to hide it in the story or anything like that. Kill yep. her. Get her heart. I'm going to eat that shit. Sure, man. Um, so the huntsman goes out. He ends up chasing Snow White into the forest. And he kind of falls for Snow White a little bit. Like, he mm. sees that she is the fairest of them all. And not only is she the fairest, but she's just super nice. She's just a sweetheart. She's freaking Damn. Snow White. How right. can you yeah, not I mean, love her? Yeah. Um, so Snow White pleads for her life and basically says that if you let me go now, I'm going to run away and you will never see me in this kingdom ever again. Problem solved. Cool. So the Huntsman agrees to this. He ends up finding a wild boar, cuts the boar's heart out, and the queen thinks all is good, cooks this frickin' boar, and enjoys the shit out of it, I would assume. Yum, yum. Next day after she eats the heart, she asks the mirror, 
mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And it replies, Snow White. <gasps> Again? Plot twist, motherfucker. Um, yeah, so this obviously sends the queen into a rage. Um, she realizes the huntsman has betrayed her. So she gets him killed off really quickly. Cool, yeah. And then she sets off on finding Snow White. Right. So after she gets released by the huntsman, she ends up wandering through the forest. She finds this cute little cottage in the middle of nowhere, kind of next to these mountains. It's super, super cute. She goes in there, and everything is just, like, super tiny. Nice. Okay. Um, She sees, like, this table with this elaborate meal set out. There's, like, seven little beds and, like, seven plates on the table. Ooh. Um, Snow White, not wanting to be super, super greedy in her desperation, she eats a little bite from every little plate. Yep. And then much like Goldilocks, she lays in all seven of the beds until she decides that the seventh one is comfiest. Of course. So she passes out. It's been a long day. She almost died. All that fun stuff. The seven dwarves end up showing up to the house after their day at work. They realize that something's afoot. Someone's been eating their freaking food and laying in their bed. And then they see beautiful little Snow White. Oh, no. Just sleeping, sleeping in their bed. So Snow White kind of, they wake Snow White up. She's super, super terrified. She has no idea. She kind of explains the situation. Yeah. And the doors are not so nice as in the movie. They basically say, if you will be our housekeeper, if you take care of our every need, then you can stay here. You'll want for nothing. And just put her to work. Yeah. Like she can stick around. Yeah. I, I, I think that all the seven doors are males, you know, so they find this little female. Well, and you know, Disney. They, they're all little dudes. Yeah, little dudes. Um, they want a freaking slave or a housekeeper or whatever you want to call the deal they have going on with her. Sure. So she she agrees. She says, yeah, absolutely. I'll be super content here. I'll do whatever you guys want me to do. Please just give me safe haven and a place to eat and sleep. Yeah. All's good. Well, the queen decides to head out at this point. She's going to freaking find Snow White. She knows she's out there somewhere, and she knows... She's out there being fair. ...the kind of direction of where the huntsman, you know, caught her. She knows the kind of area. So she sets out on this crazy adventure to go find Snow White, and she ends up finding the house. Oh, no. During this trip, however, from, like, the queen's location, the queen's castle to the seven dwarves, the path that she takes is... over, and it says in the book, it's over seven mountains. She she travels over seven mountains. We talking like regular size mountains, like big old mountains. Yeah, regular freaking mountains. Like these are these are mountains because that's what the dwarves do every day is they go into these mountains and then they look for like precious gems and, right. and gold and stuff like that. That's some dedication. <laughs> yeah, I don't know and why how she... she didn't end up being the fairest after that. Like. Just the kind of gains you get from walking around seven mountains. Yeah, 100%. Or why she just didn't send a bunch of soldiers and stuff to to go do that. So she sees this little cottage. She sees the cottage that she figures Snow White is at. Yeah. She kind of disguises herself a little bit, and then she strikes up a conversation with Snow White while the dwarves are out for the day doing their thing. And she says that she's got some dresses to sell. She's got some nice lace to sell. Yep. And she comments to Snow White that your corset isn't super tight. Right. Can I fix that for you? Those things are supposed to be tight. Those things are supposed to be tight. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, she, Snow White turns around. The queen laces up this corset so tight that it appears Snow White is dead, and she just drops to the floor. She's not breathing. She's not moving. Damn. She looks freaking dead. Just from how tight the queen tied her corset. Just suffocated her. 
Yeah, essentially. And I think that's like a thing in real life back when corsets were real. It's like women used to pass out. Yeah, it was right? tough to breathe. You couldn't get enough oxygen if it got too warm or whatever. You just pass out. Yeah. So that was the queen's murder plan. And she thought it went great. So she traveled back over those seven mountains. Cool. No verification needed, man. It's done. Yeah. Done here. Good to go. <laughs> go. Like, let's do a 14 mountain trip and not even like verify that it worked out. Yeah, exactly. Just so silly on the queen's part. But yeah, so this whole trip, I'd imagine she's having like a great time. Yeah. Um, until she goes to the mirror again. Mirror, mirror oh, on the wall. No. It's still snow white. <gasps> so she realizes she freaking failed. She's obviously in this crazy fit of rage. Yep. <laughs> so she decides to journey back over these seven mountains. Of course. I mean, there's nothing else you can do, right? You just yeah. got to go for it again. And at this point, so she shows up. She kind of disguises herself in a new disguise. And she poses as a comb salesman. A comb salesman. A comb salesman. Except this is just no ordinary comb that she tries to get Snow White to buy. She's poisoned it, and she convinces Snow White, who's super gullible and just trusting in general. Yeah. She's not turned off by her experience with the last person that showed up at the house at all. Nah. So the queen ends up combing Snow White's hair. And of course, Snow White gets the poison in her hair, and she falls to the ground, because stiff as a board. Because the best delivery method for poison. Yeah, totally, just like this. And it's not like she stabbed her with the comb or anything. She, like, combed her hair, like, once, and yeah. then the poison, I guess, was so fast-acting. That'll do it. That, yeah, she just drops to the friggin' floor. Same thing. She doesn't appear to be breathing. She appears to be freaking dead. And the queen decides yet again that that's good enough. So she treks on back to the castle over seven mountains. Like, she must be so fit at this point. Yeah. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Let me guess. Snow White. Oh, is a Snow White that's the fairest one. Yes, it is. You still not hopping? No. Motherfucker, this queen must be so pissed. But it's 100% her fault. Like, just stab the girl. Yeah. You know? Just, just if you're gonna go over seven mountains, if you're gonna walk there and back, just, just decapitate her. Make sure there's no chance that she could be alive, so you can go back to being the hottest bitch in the land. Yeah, it's so easy, right? That's what we're in search of here, right? This is her entire mission. Yeah, it's just pure vanity on the queen's part, right? So yeah, she goes back, realizes she failed yet again. Yeah. Travels all the way back over these seven mountains again. Runs into Snow White, of course, and again, she's got a different disguise. And this time, she's posing as an apple salesman. Mm. And this time, she's a bit more clever, just a bit, than that she sounds was more, That sounds time. more familiar. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of where we, we, we get to the modern version a little bit. Right. Snow White, the third time somebody shows up trying to sell shit to her, is a little bit more suspicious. And she says, no, I don't think I can... I don't think I can buy that apple from you, lady. Yeah. And the queen, who kind of had some foresight on this one, she only poisoned half of the apple. Okay. So she says, what, are you afraid it's poisoned or something? She takes a bite from the safe half. Cool. Yeah, very tricky. Yeah, 100%. And this obviously is enough for Snow White. And she's also, like, totally fine with sharing an apple, I guess, with a stranger. She's got a bit of a skeptic's mind at this point. She's been burned a couple of times. But she's still just her own naive self, so. Yeah, she's Snow White. At her core, she's a good, trusting person, I suppose, right? Yeah. That's Snow White. She's kind of the epitome of, of, of goodness and beauty in right. women. So she ends up taking a bite of this apple from the poison side. Ooh. And the poison is, again, so strong that as soon as it touches her lips, she just drops. Ooh. 
just like the last two times. It's that good, good. That good, good. And and honestly, yeah. So she appears to be dead. And like an idiot, the queen doesn't <laughs> doesn't check any further. Of course um, not. Same thing. She just seems like she's done a good job. Yeah. That's all well and good. So she goes back over the seven mountains. Mirror, mirror on the wall. It's still Snow White. Or no, actually, it's not Snow White. It's not Snow White. So this time, the mirror says that indeed. She is the fairest again. Yes. Oh, finally. Yeah, so she's she's freaking pumped. Yeah, um, of course she is. The dwarves, however, come home that day from work. Yeah. And they see Cinderella, and she is, like, stone freaking cold. Yeah. She's dead, as far as they're concerned. And so, in their grief, the dwarves cry, and they cry for three days and three nights over Snow White, who they've grown to care for. And it after the like three wives... dehydrating wise, process. Yeah, totally, right? Yeah, so after the three days, though, they kind of... They get to grips with reality. They kind of come back to things and they say, wait a minute, she's not stinky. She's not, she's not decomposing in any way. Sure. She doesn't appear to be decaying at all. So they decide to put her in a glass kind of case, like a little bit like Sleeping Beauty, actually. Okay. And just like hang on to her corpse, basically. See if she'll reboot at some point. I guess so. And also, I, th- I think she's just so beautiful that like they don't really want to get rid of her. Yeah, she's just nice to look at. Yeah, like like everyone that kind of runs into her aside from the queen seems to basically fall in love with Snow White. Yeah. Uh, a couple months go by, and here comes the prince. And he's hunting, and he runs across these dwarves. They invite him into a, their house. He's a prince. That's a big deal. And he sees Snow White. Uh, who that? And upon first sight, he just falls so head over heels, as cool. is pretty damn common in these fairy tales. And he insists to these dwarves, like, I need this woman. Okay. I All need right, her. Man. Yeah. Um. They object, and the prince just will not relent, essentially. And he says, I need to have her back. Come on, just let me have her. With me. I will take care of her body forever. She will not, like, like I'll just take care of her, and it'll be fine. Yeah. So the dwarves kind of relent and say, fine. You can have her. You fine. Can have- take her. You can have her. You can have her. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, so the prince gets all like his kind of hunting buddies and his soldiers and stuff, and they carry Snow White out of there. Yeah. And on the journey to his kingdom, they kind of get jostled a little bit, like the soldiers. Like I think one of them trips on a root or something like that. Yeah. And and this jostles Snow White enough that the apple pops out of her mouth, and she just wait. Like, she just like a truffle pig. Like she just had this apple in her mouth. I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> or just like barely in her mouth. I don't know. So just like this tiny little bump, basically, and it. Pops out of her mouth and boom, look at that. She wakes up. Wow. All is well and good. No so, kiss to wake her up or anything? Yeah, no kiss to wake her up because that would be just far too similar to. That would also be far too far fetched, right? Like an yeah. apple popping out of her mouth is fine, but yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a lot of like logic in these stories that just don't make any sense. Like they. I mean, sure, like fairy tale logic is usually pretty like stretchy anyway, but like, I don't know. Seems kind of ridiculous. Okay, so a couple months later, Snow White and the Prince get married. The Queen is invited, and she does show up. Of course she does. Um, And she's still, like, super angry about it, but again, she needs to curry favor with, like, the neighboring prince. Right. Um, So she basically has a horrible time, and she just, like, stares at Snow White the whole time and, like, is clearly seething with rage. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and as kind of the festivities get underway and the dancing starts, the prince pulls these iron shoes out of the fire that's raging at this wedding. Cool. 
walks on over to the queen, forces her to put on these red hot iron shoes. Oh yeah, that sounds fun. And they make her dance in front of all of their wedding guests until she dies. Wait, what? Yeah. And that's the final line of, what? The, of the whole story. <laughs> there's no, they lived happily Wait, ever they, after. They there's no ain't. anything. It's that, they made her wear iron hot shoes and she danced till they died. And that's <laughs> legit the end of the story. <laughs> that's it. It just ends yeah. like that just abruptly? Yeah, 100%. And they all lived happily ever after. And they okay. all lived yeah. happily ever after. Um, What? <laughs> yeah. It's just like these gruesome endings, and it's then that's how each of the stories I read end. If it's it's like, all on the worst part of the story. It doesn't actually end with you know happiness or anything like that. It's I, I got revenge on the person or persons that wronged me. And this is how they were ending, like when they wrote them down. It's like the original stories. Yeah, guessing, that's how right? the originals ended. Yeah, it's always on kind of the, <laughs> the the most gruesome part of it is typically right at the very end. I feel like you just don't need that. You just don't need that as an ending. I don't get what we're getting from it or learning from it. Yeah, like oh, this queen was a bitch her own her entire life, so now she gets to die with iron hot shoes on, dance to death like. I, and, <laughs> And I mean, that's clearly how everybody else felt. And what did you learn from this story, Jesse? <laughs> yeah. Um, nothing. I learned nothing <laughs> yeah. out of this story. I guess if I was forced to come up with one, I'd say, don't try to murder someone who's hotter than you are. I guess, but that's not even like fair justice, in my opinion. She didn't deserve to die. I mean, she tried to kill Snow White like four times. I mean, and eat her heart. That kind of yeah, adds but it's a bit just like it. I don't know, man. It's all just a confusing mess. Yeah, I would. I would I'm really would glad these aren't the stories we grew up with. If I heard these stories as a kid, I would learn nothing. My parents would have no lesson for me, and I would go to bed really sad and scared. I would just be an upset child. But the thing is, I like some of the story. It's actually kind of cool. Like it's actually got like this whole like. I don't know, this villainous aspect and this, I don't know, it's a cool kind of story premise and they kind of just ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> like They just found a way, like, I don't know who came up with this story in the first place, but they weren't good. Yeah. They were not good at storytelling. And I think that probably must have been the opinion of Walt Disney, right? Like he, I mean, he sure. clearly saw that there was value to this. Yeah. Um, as long as they were like, the idea was there. But, like, it needed so many changes. It needs to be updated in some way where it actually has some kind of happy yeah. ending and a little message. Like, don't be vain, you know. And and to be clear, by the time, like, Walt Disney was kind of collecting these stories and, and doing his Disney stuff, yeah, a lot of these stories were, you pretty know, close. pretty close to, to what they ended up being in the films. Right. Um, but still, right. So our next story is going to be Rumpelstiltskin. It's it's a bit of a quicker one, but the ending is just so fucking ridiculous, I had to include it. Sure. I actually know nothing about Rumpelstiltskin. I've, I know the name. I know that it's a story. That's it. Yeah, I basically went into the research with the same exact thing, so I can't really tell you listeners out there what the modern version is. So basically, Rumpelstiltskin starts off with this farmer who for whatever reason wants to curry favor with a king. Okay. And his way to do that was to take his daughter, mm -hmm. go to the king, and make the biggest bold-faced lie you've ever heard in your life. And he tells the king, my daughter can spin straw into gold. 
Of course. Of course. So the king obviously what is like... What a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't it's imagine. It's not like he's going to ask us to prove that. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, what must have been going on in his daughter's mind? Like, what the fuck did you just say? We did not say? talk about this. He says we were, we were getting ice cream. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. So the king is, like, super stoked about this, but kind of not really, really trusting this crazy outlandish thing. Yeah, that this random farmer has told him. So he ends up taking the daughter on, locks her in a room full of straw, yeah. and basically says, "You have to spin this straw into gold tonight." Oh my God, he actually wanted her to prove it. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Why would he? <sighs> okay, but not only yeah. just to prove it. If you can't prove it, he's gonna kill her. Oh, cool. And he's, he's very clear in that sentiment. Did uh, do you think the dad knew that that was gonna happen? Or? <laughs> He must have, right? Like, I don't know what kind of delusion. This isn't going to work out anyway. Like, yeah. But, but again, that's like another example of a shitty fucking dad in these stories. Like, cool. there's just so yeah. many. Just dads suck, yeah. I guess, is the lesson that yeah. we're getting from the Brothers Grimm here. Yeah. Yeah. So she's sitting in this room. She has no idea what she's going to do. Clearly, this is not in her skill set. When all of a sudden, this little imp walks in the room and says that I can do this for you. I will save your ass. You got to give me something. Okay. So she says, okay, well, I've got this little necklace here. Like, if you help me out tonight, have the necklace. Yeah. Um, and the imp says, that's fine, which is kind of weird to me because if you can genuinely spin straw into gold, what fucking value is some random necklace to you? Well, I guess it's like it has value to her and therefore has sentimental value. I don't know. That's the only value I can think of. Yeah, but that sentimental value is like for the daughter, not for the imp, you would think. But yeah, but either way, like the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, he says, fine. And he ends up doing it. Next day, King checks out the room, all the straws turn into gold. That's freaking crazy. Like, what? Yeah. But he doesn't quite trust it yet. So for a second night, he puts her in a bigger room filled with mm. even more straw. I'm kind of skeptic. All right. And same thing. You got, even, even though you just turned all the straw into gold the night before, if you can't do it again all in one night, I'm going to kill you. Exactly. Like, what if she's just really slow at it? Yeah. Give her some time. Like, I got some gold here. Yeah. Like, it's got to be all of it. <laughs> it's got to be all of it, and it's got to be by morning. Cool. So the amp shows up again and says, look, I'll help you out, but you got to give me something. Sure. And the daughter says, well, I've got a ring. I'll give you this ring if you help me out. Does this imp like jewelry? I guess so. Okay. Like maybe he just has the ability to turn straw into gold, but he's like shit at blacksmithing or something and just yeah, can't. like white white smithing and stuff. He can't make yeah. his own jewelry. He can just make raw materials. I guess. I yeah. don't <laughs> So he ends up doing it. He ends up, the second night goes by and he ends up getting all this ridiculous amount of straw. Yeah. Um, and turning it into gold. So the king again, one more night, he locks her in another room filled with like more straw than she's ever seen. Just this hugely impossible amount of straw. This is starting to feel like some kind of, how much gold can I get out of this girl before I have to kill her? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but this time he says, if you fail, you're going to die. Just yep, like the last of unit. course. Yeah. But if you succeed, then you'll be more valuable than any other lass in the whole land. And I'll marry you. I'll make you the queen. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Big, big stakes. High risk, high reward, right? It's all paying off. I like it. So again, the imp shows up. Exciting. Okay. I'll do it all. I can totally do this insane amount of straw, but you got to give me something. Like a toe ring? Like a toe ring. Or like a... <laughs> <laughs> got this nasty ass toe ring. No, but she doesn't have anything else. Like, Yeah, know, she's out. She's out. She's out of stuff. And she says that to the imp and the imp says, okay, how about this? If you give me your firstborn child, 
Oh my God. I will, I will get this done for That's you. That's some biblical shit. That's some biblical fucking shit. It's not like the daughter really had a choice here. So of course she says, yeah, it's like, okay, you can have my firstborn, whatever. Yeah. It's a regular thing. Yeah. I mean, it's better than dying, right? Yeah. So the imp again does this impossible task and the king is true to his word. Okay. He makes her the queen. He marries her like within a couple days. Nice. A year goes by and the now queen has totally forgotten about this imp. I don't know how. She could, given... There was an amp, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, the giant ass saving this guy did for her. But, yeah. So she forgets a year goes by, and she just gives birth to, like, this beautiful child. Yeah. Beautiful child. Perfect She's baby. so fucking happy. Yeah, this is going to be the king one day, Like, this right? is little golden baby Jesus in his manger. Yeah, 100%. And lo and behold, the imp shows up and says, all right, wow. dude, this, this baby is amazing. Yo, that is a sick baby you got there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would like to have it. As promised. So the queen is freaking out. She says, no, like, I'm so in love with this baby. I know I promised you this. I can't. I, I just can't. It's my kid. There's no way. I, I can't do this. Sure. I mean, you know, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I think any mother probably would. So the imp felt kind of bad for her. He saw that, he, like, she clearly loved this kid, right? So he says, okay, I'll make you a deal. If you can guess my name in the next three days, you're off scot-free. Just guess his name. Yeah, that's all she had to do. They never like exchange name. names throughout the whole. No, they, they were all. save your life three times. Though? Yeah, he did not reveal his name at all during the course of this or anything okay. like that. He's just some random ass imp that shows up and did cool. her a favor. So, of course, she has no choice. She agrees to it and she's allowed to guess as many names as possible. So, the first day, she sends out her soldiers to kind of ask, you know, all of her immediate kingdom, like what their names are. And she lists off every single name. Yeah. She can't fucking figure it out well he's an imp he's got to have some kind of magical weird name right some yeah exactly so on the second day she just like starts listing names but she's kind of repeating a lot of the names she said on the first day nothing's going right she's even making up names that jimothy and <laughs> yeah jimothy and second day goes by and of course of course of course she doesn't guess it yeah third day comes by and you gotta you gotta think that this imp is feeling pretty damn good and in order for him to succeed Basically, sure, he's like, hey, I'm gonna get this baby. Yeah, yeah right. You're and never you, gonna find out. And you think that all he would have to do is just not say his name out loud. That's yeah. all you gotta That's do. That's like the only rule is like, if she's trying to guess your name, don't tell her your name. That's it. Yep. Easy. Uh, so on the third day, the queen ends up going out herself. Okay. She kind of wanders around. She knows that kind of the main areas of the kingdom have kind of been hit. She ends up going to this forest and she sees this tiny little house. Just chilling in the forest, like this super imp size. Yeah, maybe like a little imp house. Yeah, yeah. So she kind of sneaks on over and slinks on around, and then she sees this fire in the house. Yeah. Around the fire is the imp. Okay. And he does like this song and dance, and he says his name out loud, and his <laughs> name is Rumpelstiltskin. <gasps> and he basically sings this little ditty about how Rumpelstiltskin is going to have this child. I should have guessed. Right? Yeah. Since the name of the story is Rumpelstiltskin. I know. So he's just in his little house singing about his name. Yeah, the one thing he shouldn't have done and he didn't have to do. And he yeah. just did it. He was just casually. He's just such a cocky little dude that like, yeah. she's never going to find out that I'm actually Rumpelstiltskin. Exactly. Me, Rumpelstiltskin, is going to get this baby. You heard it here first. Rumpelstiltskin is getting that baby. So, of course, the end of the third day, they both make their way independently of each other back to the to the castle. Sure. And he tells the queen, like, you've basically got one more guess here because, there, you know, you've said every name out there except for mine, I guess, right? Right. So she kind of has a little smile on her face. It's a little cheeky little smirk. And she asks him, 
Is your name Rumpelstiltskin? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh my fucking God. Yes, my name. So Rumpelstiltskin goes into a fit of fucking rage. He can't believe that she somehow guessed his name right. Like he, he's madder than any character in any story I've ever heard of. And what he does as a reaction is he stomps the ground with his right foot and he stomps the ground so hard that his entire right foot goes into the earth. Okay. Okay. So he's got his r- whole right leg into the earth. Yeah, we've all been there. He grabs his left leg and he yanks on it and he yanks on it so hard that he rips himself in half in front of the queen. What? Yeah. So so because his his right leg is in the ground, right? He just rips himself in half right up the middle. He's so strong, he's so angry that he stomps his right leg completely into the ground, grabs his left leg and rips himself in half in one fell motion. And they lived happily ever after. after. And that's literally how the story ends. (laughs) What the fuck? That's it. No. Yeah. Little little impy little impy boy just ripped himself in half. Yeah. I like I don't even want to know how hard you have to kick the ground (laughs) for your entire leg to go in there. Well, probably about as hard as you would have to rip to, to to rip yourself in half. That is some surreal shit. Yeah, and that all, is such all he a had to weird, do. like everything was pretty normal up until that point. Yeah, not the worst story ever, right? Not super gruesome or anything like that until the very, very until end. the very end. You just got to sprinkle in a little bit of an imp rips himself in half. It's like the most rushed, weird ending. Yeah, and again, there's no, there's no anything after. That's just how the story ends. And what did you learn? I learned nothing <laughs> from this story in particular. I think I learned to protect my passwords. Ah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right, so our final story that we're going to cover is known as today Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood. And we all know Little Red Riding Hood. What beautiful big... teeth you have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But back in the day when it first started, all she was called was Red Cap. Red cap. Red cap. That's so lame. I know. And then some genius, some marketing wizard, sometime down down the road, came up with a little Red Riding Hood. And there you go. Yeah, it might be the most iconic title for a fairy tale. Yeah. Like, we can all, like, I don't know about you, but, like, in my mind's eye, when I hear that, you know, I see. Yeah, the, you see the, the little Red, red Riding Hood. Yeah. Just skipping through the forest. Like right? That is some iconic stuff. Yeah, with that in mind, it, it, it is pretty similar to the story we know today. Fairly similar, anyways. Yeah. So Little Red Riding Hood, she's skipping through the forest. She's on her way to her grandma's house, just like the modern version. Yeah. She's on her way to see grandma. And before she gets there, the big bad wolf shows up at the grandma's house, just like the original. Mm-hmm. He goes and he breaks into the house. He sees this juicy grandma. Yeah, just a tasty little woman. Yeah, this tasty, tasty little woman, this vulnerable old lady. And he freaking opens his mouth and he eats her. And she's such a tasty meal. And the grandma's little cottage in the woods is nice and cozy and warm. And Yeah, it seems like a cool place to shack up for a bit. Yeah, and that's exactly what he does. Cool. And he kind of figures, like, on sorry, on his way to the grandma's house, he kind of sees Red Riding Hood. Yeah. And he gets there beforehand, right? So he kind of knows that little Red Riding Hood or Red Cap is going to be there. Yeah. But he figures he has some time and it's cozy and he's full. So he puts on grandma's clothes and he has a nap. Yeah. Little red cap comes along, shows up at the house and realizes that the door is open. So she's a little suspicious. She goes in and she sees her grandma laying on the bed in her in her outfit. And it's the same thing that we all know and love. Maybe the most famous lines, which is my, what big ears you have. 
all the better to hear you with, right? Right. My, yeah. what big eyes you have. And finally, my, what, what big, big teeth, teeth you, you have. have. Yeah. All the better to eat you with. And that's <gasps> that's exactly what happens in the original. So he- Wait, he just straight up, straight up eats her? Yeah, he straight up eats her after he says that. He hops out of the bed and it's revealed that obviously he's the wolf and he eats her. Okay. And then again, cabin's nice and cozy and warm and he doesn't really have anything to worry about, right? Yeah, he's got a full belly and he's just happy to be there. Yeah, so he goes to sleep. Now, while he's sleeping, a huntsman that's familiar with this area of the woods, he, he comes across the cabin and he hears the grandma's there while well, he hears the wolf snoring, who yeah. he thinks is the grandma. And he thinks to himself, oh, well, you know, she's snoring, she's snoozing, but maybe she needs something. She's an old lady. I'm going to go help her out. See. Yeah, just check in. Yeah, see what I can do. Be neighborly, right? Sure. So he shows up and he creeps into the house and he sees the wolf just like no longer in disguise, just passed out on the bed. Yeah. And he sees that the wolf's belly is freaking huge. And he thinks to himself, oh my God, like grandma's in there, but maybe she's still alive. Maybe I can save her. Sure. Yeah, because digestion doesn't exist. Yeah, right? Yeah. And like the process of like eating someone, they should probably be long dead by the time they're all in there. I mean, sure. You would think. But what he does is he grabs a pair of scissors that's just chilling on the counter. And he cuts into the wolf while the wolf is sleeping. He does two snips. Just a couple little snips? Just two snips in this wolf's belly. Okay. And out shoots grandma. What? Whole. She's whole and she's alive. <laughs> she just like kind of plops out. It's a little C-section kind of birth. Yeah, exactly. And and I guess, I don't know, the wolf just unhinged his jaw and swallowed the grandma whole or something, right? Yeah, just, yeah of course. No chewing necessary for that grandma. She slid right down his gullet. Right on down. Mm-mm, good. So yeah, she like pops out of the belly and she's she's weak, but she's alive. Thank God she's alive. Yeah. But as she slides out, the huntsman sees a flash of red that, that's not quite blood. Like there's there's something else in there and it's red and he doesn't know what's up. Is so it he, perhaps a red cap? It is. Ooh. So he snips once, twice more. Yep. And out pops Little Red Riding Hood. And she's not really all that weak. She's good to go. She's alive. Great. I, and, and I couldn't help it but wonder when I was reading this if like Red Riding Hood and like the grandma were having like a conversation in the yeah, stomach like, or they, anything. Did they know each other were there? Were they conscious? Were they doing stuff inside of them? Well, b- both both of them in the books, when they come out, yeah, they're both awake. So I, I would presume that they're both kind of aware of who's in there with them, right? Didn't even let us finish our game of crib. So, and 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 by the way, the wolf is still asleep. Yeah. So he's had his whole stomach cut open. He's had two freaking human beings pulled out of him, and he's still fast asleep. So the grandma, in her kind of wisdom, gets little red cap to get a bunch of stones, and they put a shitload of stones in this wolf's stomach, and they sew him back up. Yeah, like an Indiana Jones style. You got to replace the weight with something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So as soon as they kind of do the last stitch, the wolf wakes up, realizes something is horribly wrong, and dies. Oh. And just like, yeah, he wakes up and he dies. (laughs) He can have two fully grown living beings inside of him and be fine. Yeah. He can be cut open multiple times. And stay asleep. And be fine, just stay asleep. Yeah. You put some rocks in him. Yeah. And he's just dead. He's just totally dead. 100%. So he noticed something was wrong and then died? Yeah, like he, he like wakes up. So the last stitch is done. He wakes up and then he, and then he dies. And I wish I had more info, but the story doesn't give any. (laughs) Is literally just that he wakes up and then he dies. 
It doesn't it's even so, say that he realizes he's full of stones or it's anything. So weird yeah. how they end like but that. But that's not the end. So in the version that we know, that's kind of the end, right? They get rid of one wolf. Yeah. And that's that's good. They live happily ever after. But in the original, is there more than one wolf? A second wolf shows up. God damn it. Yeah. Come on. So by the by this point, by the way, the huntsman is long gone. Like the wolf is dead. Get, huntsman yeah. got out of there. He's got huntsman things He's done to his do. thing. And Little Red Riding Hood starts going home. And on her way, so she's on like kind of the main path through the forest. It's like heavily populated. Nothing bad is really going to happen on that path or else you'll get caught, right? Yeah. So on her way home from this crazy adventure, she sees yet another wolf. And this wolf has this crazy, evil, hungry look in his eyes. Oh, no. And he kind of kind of bids her hello, you know, says hi. And then... yeah. And then they carry on and Red Cap, you know, figures that the reason for this is because they're on a main path. And she is certain that if they had met on any other path or any other part of the woods that she would have been eaten right then and there. And the first thing she thinks about when she she sees this is her grandma. Yeah. And she kind of just knows. She just has this suspicion, like just this look in the eye of the wolf was so sinister that she just knew she had to yeah. get back to grandma. So she does. She is that racist? <laughs> no. Like species. Like all, all wolves are just evil. Like she just saw that look in his eyes and it's like, oh, you're gonna eat somebody, aren't you? Yeah. And may- maybe that's the lesson to be brought out of this story. Maybe like wolves were a huge problem in, in Germany back yeah, in the day I guess or something. So, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So she heads home to her she heads back to the grandma's house. She kind of preps the grandma and says what's going down, and that this crazy wolf is probably gonna show up. Yeah. So the second wolf shows up, knocks on the door, and pretends that it's little red cap to the grandma. Oh, no. And the grandma basically says, fuck off. I know what's up. How did that wolf know <laughs> yeah. who she was or like? That's also that not explained. <laughs> That's also not explained. So I don't know if Red Cap's like famous or some shit or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, he shows up and he tries to impersonate Red Cap on the other side. Of the sure. Okay. Grandma basically says, go fuck yourself. We know what's up. I'm not letting you in. You're clearly not Red Cap. You're, you're obviously a wolf. You're obviously <laughs> a wolf. Yeah, exactly. And so in his rage and realizing that he can't really get in super easily, the wolf hops on the roof of Grandma's house. Okay. Yeah. And so again, Grandma's pretty smart about this. And she says, oh, well, he's clearly on the roof and he's going to try to get us the second we walk out of the house. Yeah, of course. But Grandma, being like a super smart grandma, I guess, has a plan. And there's this little trough just just outside the window of her of her house. Okay. And she says to Little Red Cat, hey, I made some sausages yesterday and I still have the sausage water. And that smells pretty what? darn no. good. And um, so, yeah. <laughs> Little Red Cat takes this what must be a ridiculous amount of sausage water and fills up the trough that's just outside sausage the water. window. And a couple minutes goes by after she's filled the trough and the wolf is getting hungry and hungry and he smells this crazy good water and he jumps off the roof. He jumps into the trough and he drowns. It's the hot dog. Well, wait, what? Yeah, and he drowns. And that's that's the end of that story. He drowns in yeah. a trough of hot dog water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he basically gets slurred out by fucking shitty hot dog water, and that's how he dies. And the story doesn't clarify any further, so that's basically what it sounds like. Yeah, that's totally. ridiculous. Yeah, just the stupidest thing you've ever freaking seen. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not a good ending. <laughs> no. None of these stories had good endings. None of, not a single one that we covered. And, and I mean, we went over what, five stories, I think, for this episode. I read at least 20. 
um, yeah. from the original Brothers Grimm book. Okay. And, and none of them had like appropriate like none endings. of them had redemptions or no. endings of any sort. No, and and to be fair, not all of them were crazy gruesome, but yeah. none of them ended in any sort of coherent way. Okay, cool. So, I mean, what do you get from that? Like, from you reading like 20 of these stories, like, if imagine that you weren't doing it for research. Imagine yeah. you were just reading these stories. Like, right. what do you get from reading these? I mean, a lot of them were fear-based. Like, don't talk to strangers. Yeah. Be kind to others. And some of like, just like these, the, the more general advice that like all kids kind of hear. Yeah. But the packaging. Yeah, they're was, just like encompassed in this really weird, surreal story that yeah. ends horribly. Yeah. And I don't know. Oh, this is kind of a random um, theory here. So back in the day, and I don't, I don't know anything about, you know, German specifically or anything like that. But back in the day, I know that like violent things used to be pretty entertaining, right? Like with the witch trials, sure. you would watch the witch oh, burning, yeah, people getting stoned to death. Like that was a thing for Historically, human beings have been pretty violent with their entertainment. Like yeah. even like the Coliseum or totally. anything like that. Exactly. Know? So yeah, there was um, a lot of entertainment value in violence. Yeah. And maybe that's where that all came from. I guess from. there still is. Yeah. We just package it differently. Yeah. And, and I mean... It's not geared towards children nowadays. Yeah. Right? But, but like, do you think that's kind of what they were going for? Maybe, maybe, maybe it was more normalized back then. But honestly, like, there just wasn't a lot of coherency in. Yeah. It just seems stories. super niche and weird. Yeah. And like, these stories are all so surreal. And it just blows my mind that people were telling these things to each other. Yeah. I'm um, like, I'm just trying to figure out like what they got from it. Like, if it was literally just to pass the time, you think they would have more joyous fun stories to mm -hmm. balance out their shitty lives and and maybe it speaks to german culture i'm not sure about that i too know nothing about german um, culture but regardless these stories did end up becoming incredibly important for you know germans in general um, sure. gave them a huge sense of national identity did the brothers grim like ideal kind of come to pass eventually like do you know like um so they did have like they did end up making a lot of money they did end up getting a lot of acclaim a claim that is still true to this day right right but yeah that's kind of that's kind of it they never really saw to my knowledge a crazy unified germany by the time they died in kind of the yeah. mid Mid 1850s, 1850s, somewhere around like there, yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah. unfortunately, yeah, never their their dream never really came to pass. But they did contribute to that dream. Like you can, of course, yeah. Still I mean, today. foundationally, for yeah. sure. Like a lot of their ideas. Well, I guess they weren't their ideas. No, they never kind really of, wrote their own story. Like they did write their own their own stuff and like more scholarly papers yeah. and things like that. But they never wrote their own. Fairy I guess tales. it's always something that I. I didn't know was that these stories weren't theirs, that they belonged to yeah. the culture that they were surrounded by. Mm -hmm. And most of the stories, most of the fairy tales that they collected were so old that there is no recognizable author. Right. Um, to kind of credit a few of them have that, but yeah, well, most the way they gathered just, them, it, it seems like they were like oral, yeah. oral, orally passed down. Like. 100%. And, and they tried to keep them as like true to form as possible. So like even like local dialects, like local Germanic dialects based on where you are in the country and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they all kept that at least in the original wow. um, collection. Okay. Yeah. I imagine that would be another reason why it didn't do so great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I can I read about so. a quarter of these stories. And then the rest I just don't understand. Yeah, and there is value to that, but yeah, I, it's I get, not I get marketable, the I, get I guess. The, I get the purest thing, like they just wanted to document it in its original form. I think that was probably valuable. And like, can you find those original versions or? 
Is yeah, that- um, I found them super easily online. Just kind of do a Google on Brothers Grimm original stories and you can actually read every single one. And eventually after all the editions, they had over 200 stories. Wow. And yeah, you can either, you know, buy a hard copy of that or or whatever you want. But yeah, super easily accessible online. See, that that's pretty cool. Like yeah. it is cool knowing that we have like a record, like a recorded account yeah. of like those original stories. Yeah. Especially since they've changed so much. Especially since like the stories we just went over have like modern versions. And they're not, there's no like intellectual patent law or anything like that. Like they're all old enough now. That so you could take these stories and if you were like a filmmaker, you could just... Uh, must, to, I mean, there's, certain, there's yeah. certain things that are obviously Disney properties. Yeah, I know that Wilhelm's son ended up getting the royalties um, over the course of his life, but after that, yeah. Yeah. I think and imagine just, you can't use, like, the same caricatures that Disney came up with. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not 100% on like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. Not, like, 100% or anything like but that. But one yeah. thing I will say is that even though they started off so weird, they didn't inspire, like a ton of people to make new stories out of them. Mm-hmm. And one kind of side tangent um, that I found out about is children's illustrations kind of went through a bit of a renaissance because of all this and how popular they got. Like, really? Yeah, so a, a ton of artists did their own interpretations for different stories and stuff like that. It's just like, well, I mean, 200 stories and you can you can do whatever you want with that. So yeah, a huge amount of artists actually illustrated um, that is a really lot of cool. these stories. Yeah. That does create like a source material. And... I don't know. I feel like in a way the Brothers Grimm did achieve some form of their dream because like I know that for our generation, that being like millennials or even like going back to Gen X maybe. I mean, fairy tales were a big part of our upbringing. Yeah, totally. And they all stemmed from these, ran- like so many of these stemmed from random places in Germany we never would have heard of. All these stories that we never would have heard. Yeah, I, I do believe that had the Grimm's brothers not dedicated such a massive part of their life to the collection of these, that a lot of these stories probably would have been lost. Yeah. Just to time, you know? And, like, we'd, we'd live in a world without, like, Cinderella and Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. And I don't know if that really impacts much, but I feel like they were cool stories. They were cool movies to watch when we were younger, and I still yeah. like Disney to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Totally culturally relevant. So, yeah, good job, Grimm's brothers. Yeah, they did. You guys they did good. High you five, guys, guys, you guys did something. And also, like, just another quick side note: Can we just talk about how badass Grim is as a last name? Yeah, Grim. Grim. Was that that was their last name? Yeah, that actually was their. They yeah. were. They were Grim. They were the Grim family. <laughs> yeah, Mister Grim. <laughs> Professor. Professor Grim. Grim. Yeah. Oh man, can you imagine going to university and like one of your professors is just Professor Grim? Yeah. I don't pass people. I kill people. Oh, spooky. That's <laughs> great. I love it. Um, yeah, so that was our first episode on fairy tales. Yeah. Obviously, this is our first one. If you've made it this far, thank you very much for listening. We had a ton of fun making it, and hopefully as kind of the episodes go by, we'll get a little bit more polished. Yeah. It's all a work in progress. Just yeah. stick with us. We'll bring you more random content that we're just super interested in. So thanks for listening. Hope you have a great night and uh, try to get some sleep. (laughs) Yeah, go to bed. 